your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We are going to be um, taking up three verses today. Hallelujah. Remember again that we've been talking about the children of God versus the children of the devil. And I, I said to you, it is really important that we make that distinction. Otherwise, these verses can be quite harsh. Um, and uh, we also need to understand that, first of all, this is not talking about a backslidden Christian. Neither is it talking about normal unbelievers. Amen. The Apostle John is doing something very significant and something very different to what all the other apostles do. And that he is, he is bringing out a group of people that are the complete opposite to the children of God. And he calls them the children of the devil. And we know that in uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10, he says, In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. So it is very obvious who he's talking about and we really need to understand that as we go forward in these verses so that we can understand why he is asking us to be so cautious and to watch out for people like this. You know, our heart's desire is to get everybody saved. But there are some people that, I guess in a sense, want to do the exact opposite. They want to take people that are looking and turn them against God as much as we are trying to bring people to God. Do you understand? And so those kind of people you really need to watch out for because they can cause havoc in your life. You all know the word havoc? Okay. Did I use the word? Okay, all right, okay. And uh, we, we were looking at a couple of verses. We're in, in chapter 3, as you know. And we looked at a, the first section, verses 4 through 10, that showed us what we can't do. There are certain sins that we can't commit. And sins that these people, these children of the devil, so to speak. And, and you know, let me call it a small minority. Because, you know, most people out there aren't the children of the devil, <laughs> okay? I don't want you to go looking under every rock and go, that's the child of the devil, that's the child of the devil. Don't do that, please. Okay, we're not to judge. But the thing is, for this minority, for this group that, that does exist, they are, they are decisive. And the thing is that they, one of the things they do is they sin in a certain way that tells you they are not of God. They are not just unbelievers, but they are literally children of the devil, you all understand what I'm trying to say? Amen. Okay. And so we, you know, he's dealt with those verses 4 through 10 to say that just as much as they continually commit that sort of a sin, you cannot commit that kind of sin. Now we know we can commit sin, but not that kind of sin. Now what he's going to do in verse 10 is he transitions from that into what he's going to talk, uh, talk to us about next, which is what we're looking at now which is the fact that as much as we can't sin in that way, they can't love in this way. Amen? And so that's why he says, this is the, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, reading in verse 11. In fact, no, let me verse, read verse 10, because it is a, a bridge into verse 11. Remember again, he said, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. He says, who, whoever does not... Um, Pastor Reddy was going, you need another word in there. Because the King James says, whoever does not righteousness is not of God. And she goes, can we put something else? So I'm going to say, whoever does not practice righteousness, there we go, is not of God. <laughs> neither, that, neither they that love not their brother or sister. Notice that. He says, neither they that loves not their brother or sister. Then he goes into verse 11. So he's introducing love now. He says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So we've looked at these verses, so I really don't want to spend any time on them. He goes in to say, in verse 12 then, he makes a distinction. He says, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Just very quickly, remember again that his works stood out 
because of what Abel did. Abel's works exposed Cain's works. A, you know, one of the things that I didn't actually bring out before um, was that in, in, when it says that Abel brought you know, the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, in the, in the original um, Greek, when the Apostle John was writing this, it actually says that Abel brought the fattest of his uh, flock, which tells us something that Abel went out of his way to please God. And that's the sense that the Bible has about, if you read it in the original text, it actually gives you that sense that Abel was doing more than what he was expected of him, whereas Cain did the bare minimum. That's what I, I found in these verses, and I thought that was really significant. And so it goes on to say, and I'll give you another little uh, gem as well. And he says, why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. The word murder there is actually, it was really interesting. You know, I brought out to you uh, before that in the original text, it says that um, Cain cut Abel's throat. But I found since that the, the weapon that was used was a sacrificial knife, which I thought was really significant as well. In other words... Cain took something that was meant to be used for God and serving God and killed his brother with it. Isn't that something? It just shows you the depth to which people, you know, this spirit of Antichrist, this spirit of the devil that is there, the depth that it goes to and why you really need to stay away from people like this. Are you all with me? Amen? Okay, let's move on to the verse that I really do want to talk about today. And that is verse 13. He says, now do not marvel. Now, he has told us all of this. He has said there is a group of people in the world that really hate you. I mean, they hate you, okay? And, and they despise you because you show them up. Because you are the light of the world. You keep showing them up. And that's why he goes in to say, don't marvel, my brethren, if, and the, literally it shouldn't say if, it should say that. So he's, he literally says, do not marvel, my brethren, brethren excuse me, that the world hates you. He's just making a statement. And again, remember that the world he's talking about isn't everybody in the world. Okay? You know, not, don't go around thinking, I've seen people like this, religious Christians, that go around saying, oh, they're not a Christian, so they hate me. You're paranoid. <laughs> okay? All right? So we're not talking about that. We are talking about those people that actively oppose God. And because they actively oppose God, then they actively oppose anybody that has anything to do with God. Are you getting me? Amen? Okay. So, and therefore, as soon as you identify one of these individuals, I've said here, be on guard. Because the Apostle John has already warned us that they are of the devil and their hearts are full of hatred and murder towards us. Okay, moving on. In fact, Colin G. Cruz says that there are, these are the antichrists who are the false prophets who have gone out into the world and they manifest the spirit of Antichrist, which is even now already in the world. Now, this is, a, this is actually 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. So when we hit chapter 4, we will look at these verses in great detail. But I want you to understand, I want you to see something, that these aren't ordinary people. Are you getting this now? Okay. He says, these are Antichrists who are the false prophets who have gone out into the world. In other words, these people have taken this message out in the world and they are doing things to the world with it. You see, Satan is building an army. Let me, let me share this with you. I didn't share this in the morning. Okay. So, you all know Armageddon is coming, right? Okay. And Satan needs an army in order to carry that out. 
You, you know that? You know you need an army to fight a war? Okay, all right? So he needs to build an army. And, you know, we need to understand that that is actually taking place now. This stuff isn't just fairy tales. This is real. That's why when people get all upset about what's going on in the world, I say, well, what do you expect? This is what's happening. But the thing is, the Bible also tells us where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Which tells us something, as much as the devil is doing to prepare his army, God is doing the same with his, his children. He is building an army on the other side as well. That's why you come to church. That's why I'm here preaching every day. Oh, not every day, every week, okay? I wish I could preach. <laughs> anyway, but I'm here to build an, uh, an army on the other side. And you as an army, see, your fight isn't with flesh and blood. Remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers. We are, we are to take dominion over those things. This is the difference between God's army and the devil's army. The devil can only build a flesh army, basically. But God is building a kingdom, Remember Jesus said the kingdom of God is here. It is in you. Remember that? So this is the kingdom. Remember when he was being interrogated. One of them said to him, you know, are you a king? And he said, yes. But he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if it was, you'd be in trouble. (laughs) That's the loose roast translation. But he said, dude, if you know what my kingdom was like. Remember he could have called, uh, you know, 10,000 angels at any second angels. Okay, these are trained assassins. Okay, one angel, one angel, one night, took out 185,000 soldiers, not farmers, soldiers. One night, one dude, he just, you know, before breakfast, he kind of worked up an appetite. And he said, I think I'm hungry now, go eat. (laughs) No, okay. So that's what, (laughs) listen, that's the army. Remember, Michael and his angels overcame the devil and his angels. Jesus has an army. God has an army that can wipe out anything and everything. Hello, okay? And, but remember again, when Jesus was asked, you know, he said, are you a king? And he said, yes, but my, my kingdom is not of this world. So we understand by extension, our kingdom is not of this world either. But the thing is that we can use that world in order to influence this world. But we are, and we are to do it in a positive way. You know, we don't call down curses on people when we don't like him. Don't do stuff like that. Why are you saying that to us, Pastor? Because I used to. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, can I just be honest with you? I get mad with somebody. I'd be like James and John. You know, bring down fire from heaven. Burn them all up, Jesus. Let's go to the next town. This town doesn't want to be saved, man. Send them all to hell. Jesus is going, hey, hey, hey. We're here to save him, not kill him. Amen. And now I'm, I'm just being honest with you. You know, there are sometimes you just want fire down, you know, fire to come down from heaven. And that's the end of that problem. I don't have to pray about that anymore. I can move on, (laughs) okay? (laughs) We don't do that. And you need to understand that we are here to do a job. And the Apostle John is saying in, in you doing what God has called you to do, you do need to be aware of certain individuals and certain groups that will come against you. And don't be shocked, all right? That's why he says again, do not marvel, my brethren, because he's saying don't be shocked, don't be surprised when it happens. Because this is the way the world is, amen? By the way, this is, this is a little side note. This happens to be the only verse in all of John's epistles that he uses the word brethren. This, on, this is the only time he does that. All right? Uh, and the reason for this is that when it comes to hatred from the world, it's persecution. Okay? The Apostle John lets us know that he is in this together with us. There are no special privileges for ministry. Amen. 
I don't know how many times people have said, well, you're a pastor. That thing, you know, this is not a problem to you. Are you kidding? Do you know they pile on demons for pastors and for <laughs> five-fold ministry? Do you know why? Because if they can mess us, we'll mess all of you up. That's what the Apostle James says in, you know, in his book. He says, don't ask to become one of those because that's a really bad thing to ask. You might think, well, why not? Isn't it a good thing? Yeah, but watch out of all the demons that come against you. And if you are messed up in your brain, and I'm sad to say there's a lot of pastors out there messed in their brains, they start preaching messages that are not of God. Amen. And then they're going to stand in judgment for all of that, for everything that they preach that wasn't right. And for all the people, they're led astray. Amen. All right. So, not that I'm all perfect, okay? Amen. But you know, when I found out I got a mistake, I let you all know that I made a mistake. Also, I let you know when I'm on a soapbox. I bring out the soapbox, I stand on it, and I let you know that's me. Okay? <laughs> all right. Don't do that very often, but when I do, I let you know. Okay. Some people, that's all they preach is a soapbox the whole way through. And I just think, get off your soapbox, dude. Amen. Okay? Use the scripture. Anyway, back to this, or don't miss your scriptures. All right. Therefore, it should come as no surprise that those with Cain's spiritual disposition and by extension, the devil's own spiritual disposition should hate those with Christ's disposition. Ah, there's a lot of dispositions in there, but you... <laughs> okay, there are people that have that demonic disposition to them. I told you this is not an unbeliever, not, not a normal unbeliever. Are you all with me now? Okay, these are people that kind of got saved in the wrong direction. Can I put it that way? Okay, and so their, their brain is messed up. They have a... Uh, a doctrine to preach that is anti-God. In fact, a lot of those things that are out there that say there is no God is what it is. And they really come to take away your faith. I don't know how many people have sort of said, you know, there are, you know, I, I, I believed in, you know, the, the whole Exodus thing, you know, with the Red Sea parting and everything else. And then my history professor, because he's a professor, you understand? He said, oh no, that wasn't the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea. That's why they could all cross over. And the guy was all crushed in his faith and said, oh my gosh, you know. And, and the person that he was telling it to actually burst out laughing. And he said, why are you laughing? You know, here I am, crushed, crushed, I tell you. And he said, oh, that's a bigger miracle than I thought. He said, what are you talking about? He said, think about this. The whole Egyptian army drowned in a reed, you know, one foot of water. That's pretty massive. <laughs> okay. All right. See, you can't say one thing and then not have consequences for all the rest of it. Amen. Amen. Anyway, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Okay. Those people that come to take your faith away. So, <clears throat> once again, therefore, it should not, not come as a surprise that, that those with Cain's spiritual disposition, by extension, the devil's own disposition, should hate those with Christ's disposition, especially since Jesus himself said in John 15 and verse 18, if the world hates you, Know that it hated me before it hated you. See, again, we're talking about the group of people that literally hate him. They're not talking about people that look at him and go, yeah, okay, might be a prophet or something, we don't know, okay? We're not talking about those people. We are talking about people that literally hate. Are you getting this? All right? So you need to understand that, again, this is that group of people that John is warning us about. Therefore, as Thomas F. Johnson put it so well, the same kind of animosity that Cain displayed towards his brother, the world shows toward Christians. Did you get that? All right? And remember again, Cain murdered his brother. Did Abel do anything wrong to Cain? I need you to get this revelation, please. Did, did Abel do anything wrong to Cain? 
The Bible doesn't show anything that Abel did to Cain. He wasn't mean to him. He didn't steal his toys. He, okay? he didn't do nothing to cause Cain to hate him. Do you know the only reason that Cain hated Abel was for what Abel stood for? Because his works were righteous and Cain's were not. Not that Abel did anything wrong to Cain. Are you getting this? The reason I'm saying this to you is I don't want you to stand out there and, you know, be, be crying into your little handkerchief, going, why do they hate me? <laughs> I don't understand. I did nothing wrong. And they just talk about me. And they just carry on. Dude, wake up. You got this preaching. Listen to it again. <laughs> okay? You're missing what I'm saying. You don't have to do anything wrong. It is who you are that causes them this problem. I told you this is not everybody out there that's unsaved. So you might have unsaved friends that are really sweet to you. See, I told you, it's not them. <laughs> okay? But there might be others that are just horrible. And I told you, it's a small minority. So there won't be a lot of people like this. But dear God, when you hit one of them, you know who they are. And don't try to win them over. One of the things that a lot of you know, preachers do is say, well, you know, love never fails. So try to give them and bake them cakes and do all that stuff. The Apostle John is saying, don't bake them cakes. This is the short version, but he's saying stay away from them. Are you with me? Amen. I know this seems contradictory to what we normally hear because, you know, God loves the whole world. He wants to save the whole world, but he doesn't want to do it at the expense of you. He doesn't want to lose one of his kids in this. Do you understand? That's why you need to be spirit-led about who you speak to. Can I get amen on that? Because wherever you are led by the spirit to, it'll work. Because the Spirit knows what's in the heart of that person. And let me also say this. There might be people you don't like. Don't call them Cain's descendants. They just don't, you just don't like him. And God says you minister to them. Means that there is a way of salvation for them through you. Hallelujah. But there might be somebody you really like. They're really nice. And God says don't minister to them. And you try and you open your mouth and they shoot you down in flames. And you think, okay, okay, I get it, God. <laughs> okay, amen? Amen. Nice doesn't mean that they're godly. There are a lot of nice people that are very ungodly. Just saying. Moving on. Some of you had experience, some of you don't. I hope you never do the ones that happened, okay? Uh, this is very, very yeah, it's, it, it hurts. All right. In light of this, the Apostle John goes on to say, verse 14, hallelujah, he says, we know that we have passed from death to life. You know, this is the reverse of what normally happens. Normally, we, you know, we, we live, then we die. Notice this goes the other way, all right? Because he's talking about a spiritual thing here. He says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who hates, or excuse me, he who does not love his brother abides in death. Now, first of all, notice all the we's in the verse, okay? The, Thomas M. Johnson says that they stand in direct antithesis, all right, in opposition to the world spoken of in verse 13. So, for example, the Apostle John says, we know, but the world does not know. So there are things we know, they don't know. And we need to understand that because we know certain things, it guides us, it helps us to navigate the waters of life. They don't know that information, and so they're running into rocks all the time. And they have bad attitudes, and they're upset all the time. And you're saying, well, what's wrong with you? Get yourself together. You need to understand that they don't know what you know. They are not growing the way you are growing. 
you are getting information every single week and maybe even more during the week if you're on YouTube, but you are receiving information and you are growing from that information. You know, I, I said this before, but you know, some people go to a seminar once in their life that changes their life. You are going to one basically every week that's giving you insight and information that hopefully will adjust your course each time so that you are more and more on track. Amen? That's, that's huge. Anyway, so notice again, we need to understand how, that we know things and that they don't know things. The next thing he says, the world hates, but we love our brothers. Again, you know, if you don't have any life in you, then all you can do is, you know, remember this isn't the normal world again. Okay, these are the people that are opposite. So you need to understand that as, as much as, and I was going to say something else, but let me say this instead. As much as you love, they actually hate. I told you these are not normal people. Okay, all right. And finally, the, the, the world remains in death, but we, in contrast, have passed from death to life. So notice again that the world, it says that the world remains in death, but we have passed from death to life. It's, it's kind of like you can have two identical toys sitting there and you switch them both on and one starts to work and one doesn't. Do you know what the difference is? One has a battery in it, one doesn't. The people without the battery don't expect them to do anything that you are doing because you've got something inside of you powering you. And we take, you know, we take for granted, I think, sometimes that God actually lives in us. And the things that we can do because he lives in us. Because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We take for granted that we can actually pray and see things change in our life. Whereas other people have to just manage the things that go wrong in their life. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there are so, uh, so many benefits that we walk in. Sometimes we just kind of forget about that. And all we do is complain about everything that's going wrong. And don't realize the power that we have to change things. And that we should change things. And thank God for that power. And thank God for Him. Because He's the one that gets involved in those changes. In changing those things. In fact, the reason the Apostle John says that we know that we have passed from death to life. Is because of what Jesus actually had said. And which, interestingly, only the Apostle John records it in his gospel, uh, in John chapter 5 and verse 24, when he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Now, I want you to notice something. In this verse, we are told how we receive everlasting life. This is really, this is the basis, okay? This is how you get everlasting life. Because I'm going to show you something else that the Apostle John is bringing out in his uh, in his epistle that we're looking at right now, that is not the basis of everlasting life. But this is. So he says again, so let me read it to you again with that knowledge. He says, most assuredly, he, I say to you. And so he's saying, listen, this is a surety, okay? He's saying, he who hears my word, believes in him who sent me, that is God the Father, has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. So here the Apostle John records how we pass from death into life. However, what we're going to find out is that when he says uh, in, in this verse, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren, that's something else. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Okay, in addition to this, in his commentary, Colin G. Cruz says that the idea of passing from death to life, I love this, is synonymous with escaping condemnation and obtaining eternal life. Escaping condemnation and obtaining eternal life. 
passing from death to life, we walk away from condemnation. Now, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Those that are out of, out of Christ, there's condemnation. Because they have no God. They have no Christ taking their sin away. Do you understand? And so what we need to understand is that when we pass from death to life, we left all of that behind. And I said this before as well. Listen, if the devil condemns you with something, if there is any truth to it, 1 John 1, 9, confess your sin. He is faithful and just and thank the devil for bringing that to your attention. Just say, oh, is that what's been in the, in the way of everything I've been doing? Sorry, just one minute. Turn around. I told you, go from being Jonah to Jesus. Okay, it takes one second. All right. Turn around and say, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was doing that or I did that wrong. Forgive me of my sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Then turn to the devil and say, now, what were you saying? He'll go, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll see you next week. <laughs> I hope not, okay? He will back off because he's nothing left to work with. Because you didn't give him anything. You see, God doesn't expect you to per- be perfect, but be honest. If you find an imperfection, confess it, get it out, and get back right with God. Don't ever let things that you've done in your past allow those, don't ever allow those things that you've done in your past to control your future. Break ties. I, that's what First John 1 John 1.9 does. It breaks ties. Bad ones. Amen? With this understanding, let's return to First John 3.14, where the Apostle John says again, we know that we have passed from death to life. Again, he says, because we love the brethren. In other words, as I, Howard Marshall points out, it should be emphasized that spiritual life does not result from loving our brother. Listen, in other words, just because we love our brother doesn't mean we get spiritual life. Listen, because some people are trying to work their way into heaven. He's saying that's not how it works. He says, in fact, <clears throat> love for our brothers is evidence, not the basis. Remember I told you what the basis was before? Okay. He says, love for our brothers is evidence for spiritual life. In other words, because we have spiritual life, we can't help but love. Are you getting this? And that's the reason why it is, a, you know, for a Christian, it is more difficult to not love than to love. For an unbeliever, it is more difficult to love than to not love. We need to get this. We have to make a huge effort to not love. Because a God who is love is living inside of us. And every time we decide not to love, he gets all over our case. And he can do it because he's on the inside. Amen. And you know what? You can't get away from things that are on the inside. You can, you know, like Jonah. Remember, he tried to get away from God. God went with him. He goes, where are you going? Wherever you go, I'm going with you. What do you, just, you think you get on a ship and I'm going to stand at the, the, the shore and go, oh, Jonah, come back. I need to talk to you. As if. <laughs> okay. All right. So, <laughs> uh, somebody once said to me, my goodness, that's annoying, isn't it? You know, I stuck my fingers in my ears to try and block God and he got louder. Because he's on the inside and he said, finally, all the outside noise is shut down. I can talk to you now one-on-one. And yeah, that was the end of that one. Anyways. (laughs) All right. So, continuing on. Notice how the Apostle John ends verse 14. He says again, "He he who does not love his brother abides in death. This is another way of saying that the person who belongs to the devil or to the evil one actually remains in death because they have actively rejected God's love gift, Jesus Christ. The door to eternal life. 
Are you all with me? Amen. Simon J. Kistemaker says that the mark of spiritual life, I really love this. The, the mark of spiritual life is love. Listen, the mark of spiritual life is love. If you have spiritual life on the inside of you, love will come out. Do you understand? All right. Okay. He continues. Uh, when love comes to expression, life flourishes. So this now circles back. So when you love people, then people around you begin to receive life from you. You all know that when you love someone, that you give them life. Just as, as you hate someone, you take life away from them. You all know that? Okay. All right. So, it, so what he's saying is, listen, the life... The eternal life that is in you brings love out of you and the love that comes out of you promotes life around you. Did you get that? Okay. All right. And so he says here, meaning that if love is absent from a person's life, hatred, listen, with all its dire consequences, fills the void. Wow. That's sad, isn't it? See, I've said this before. Whenever you turn a light out, it doesn't go gray, it goes black. See, whenever you turn the light off on the inside of yourself, or whenever that light of love is turned off, hatred rushes in. Everything dark just rushes in. You can't ever have a void. You know, you can't really be in a place, really, where you don't feel anything about anyone. People say they do, but they actually do feel something. Even the nothing that they feel is coming because it might be because they've been hurt and they don't want to feel anything. But it is coming from a hurt. Because otherwise people will love naturally. Do you all know that? Anyway, okay. Amen. All right. Continuing on to verse 15. Praise God. John now goes on to say that whoever hates his brother, we're almost finished, okay? Hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. One commentator wrote, hate is the seed that leads to murder, as seen in the example of Cain's hatred for Abel that resulted in murder. So, you know, understand something. You don't hate something overnight. It takes time to think about something and to generate that hate before you go act on it. That's the reason why, you know, it was why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Verses 21 and 22, he said, You have heard that it was said of old, You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. In other words, he's saying, You've heard that if you do something bad like this, if you murder someone, okay, you understand murder is a shedding of innocent blood, not killing, but murder, okay? He says, If you murder someone, if you shed innocent blood, you'll be under judgment. But he says in verse 22, I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without, and I've added one word in there, which is, which is correct, a righteous cause shall be in danger of judgment. Do you know why he says that? Do you know why he goes from the act to the thought? Because as far as God is concerned, remember that God sees what you are thinking. Remember that when you have a... Can I do it both ways? If you have a good intention, listen to me. If you have a good intention and you can't carry it out because something gets in the way, because you imagined it, God will reward you for it. Did you know that? That's what the Apostle Paul says, bless them for their good intentions. Because God can see the heart. God can see what you wanted to do. And even though you never did it, because things got in the way, as far as God was concerned, you did it. And so you get rewarded for it. Now don't think you can get away with murder, okay? That you can go, and say murder the other way, okay? <laughs> that you can say, oh, I'm thinking of giving an offering, but I don't have anything. But I'm thinking about giving an offering, so you need to, that won't work. You can't play games with God. 
Amen. <clears throat> okay, but if you really had it in your heart, you had the stuff in your hand and something went wrong, God will go, don't worry about it. I've seen it. The same way when you hate someone and you take him to that little torture chamber and you, you know, you just think, I hope a bus runs over you. Hello. Amen. Okay. <laughs> or something worse. And somebody says, well, you know, and you say, well, I haven't done anything wrong, have I? Oh, yeah, to us you haven't. But dear God, God has an IMAX with surround sound speakers and he just got this flash of, wow, what just happened? Did somebody die down there? You know, I was, I was sending the other group this. Have you noticed some movies do this now? That they'll, they'll, they'll sort of zoom in a little bit and suddenly they'll show you an event. And this person just, you know, smashes this person's head. You know, they insulted them. And they smash their head. And they do this kung fu kick. And they just drop him to the ground. And you think, wow, we didn't know he could do all that stuff. And then it backs off and that's just in their head. And they're still talking and insulting them. <laughs> okay, okay. But listen to me. That's, that, that's, that's actually quite profound. Because guess what? That's what God sees. And we didn't know it was not... Real until they backed off and said, by the way, it's still going on. He hasn't killed anybody yet. But that intention was there. Are you all with me? That's why Jesus says, listen, you don't understand. God is spirit. And he sees things in the spirit realm. And your imagination is in that realm. You were given an imagination in order to contact that realm. And he says, when you use that in the wrong way, we see everything. <laughs> okay? And we know what your intentions were. And just as much as you intended to do the right thing, and might not have had the opportunity, you'll be blessed if you intend to do an evil thing, then it is seen, and you need to repent of it. Amen? Amen? The difference, let me give you a quick difference here, the difference between carrying something out and seeing it in your mind and go, you're having to repent is both cases you repent, but if you carried it out, then natural justice will kick in, and they'll need to put you away. But if you stopped it in your mind and in your thought life, which is what Jesus is saying, do that. If you see your thought life as serious as actually committing the act, you can stop yourself before you get in trouble. Can I say it that way? Amen? All right. So let's finish this off. Uh, returning to 1 John 3.15, uh, in relation to what the Apostle John has been dealing with, in, in particular in this chapter, Thomas F. Johnson writes, Behind those who hate their brothers and sisters in the Christian community and who are still trying to lead them astray, with lies and deception, is the devil, whose children these particular false teachers are. Did you get that? Finally, William MacDonald explains that when John says, and I think this is very important that we end on this note, when John says that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him, he does not mean that a murderer cannot be saved. Did you get that? Okay? He simply means that a man who characteristically hates his fellows is a potential murderer and is not saved. Do you get the difference? Okay, so he's saying, listen, just as much as a characteristic of God living in you is to love, there is a characteristic that, that shows up with the devil living in people, and that is hatred. And it may not even have a reason for being there. But because Satan hates everything, that's what manifests in your life. And so that's why, and not in your life here, okay, but in people's lives. And that, when you see that, then you need to identify that and stay away from that stuff. Be careful. Pray a lot before you interact with anything like that is my advice to you. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. When we come back, we'll go to verse 16, which is an awesome verse about Jesus Christ laying down his life. So we'll have a good time with that. 
Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, the revelation, the insight that we're receiving. As much as your word um, helps us and encourages us, it also warns us about things so that we don't get into trouble, so that we aren't easy targets for the devil. And we thank you, Father, that you show us what these things are and, and equip us so that we are never taken by, by surprise and we can be wise in our faith and in our approach to life. And also, Father, continue to spiral upward from glory to glory, from strength to strength and faith to faith because we don't allow the devil to attack us.